have you heard that? Like, oh, we're living in a virtual reality that was, you know, created by someone or something else. And it's, it's funny because they're actually right because we are living in a virtual reality, but not the type they think. Hello and welcome to the Millennial Apologist Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan. And in this episode, we are just going to take a quick look at 10 Bible prophecies about the end times. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, the Bible predicts that Jesus will be coming back and eventually God will bring an end to this current universe. And then the kingdom of heaven and the lake of fire will end up being the eternal dwelling places of every human being who has ever lived. And before the end comes, the Bible does give some predictions about what is going to happen. And so we're just going to look at 10 of those in this episode. So let's get started. Number one, we have in Daniel 12, verse 4. And that says, But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. And uh, Daniel is in the Old Testament, so this was written centuries before Jesus was born. And if we just read that, nothing really stands out to us. Um, As modern day people, at least I remember when I read that the first few times, it didn't seem special. But then I got to thinking, this verse here says that at the time of the end, Many will run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And if you think about that, it's not until the last couple hundred years that people have been able to travel across the world or across countries with such ease. For millennia, people did not travel hundreds of miles just to go on vacation like we do today. In modern times, we have planes and trains and automobiles, but for most of our history, we've had horses and buggies and uh, much less efficient forms of transportation than we have today. And so I think that's kind of interesting that the Bible does predict that people are going to go to and fro um, because when Daniel was writing that, you know, most people probably never left their hometown. Most people didn't travel hundreds or even tens of miles within a year. Whereas these days, you know, we work, a lot of people have to drive an hour to work and we're traveling hundreds of miles in a week. And so it just shows that um, the pace of the world really is progressing to match up with this end time prophecy because we're able to transport across the world now in less than a 24-hour period. The other thing that's unique is that this says knowledge shall be increased. And I like to relate that to uh, the internet access. Whereas now, any question you can think of, you can get an answer to in seconds at the tip of your fingers. And that is a brand new concept Um, If you look at the timeline of human history, I mean, that is so brand new. And what's really interesting is if you just look at the rate of progression that technology is 
accelerating and expanding, um, it's, it's pretty intense. And so I think that's kind of cool as well because again, for hundreds of years, if somebody asked you a question and if you didn't know it or if you didn't have a book, then you just had to say, well, I don't know. But these days we take in so much information on a daily basis, it's crazy. And a lot of it's to our detriment, of course, like you see all this increased anxiety and depression, especially in uh, younger people because um, our eyes are glued to phones. We're having information overload every day. And um, I think that's, that's pretty cool that the Bible does predict that in the end times, knowledge will be increased. And today we have, I mean, so much knowledge just at the tip of our fingers on documentaries, on Netflix, whatever. We just have so many options for retrieving information these days. Um, I want to move on to the next prophecy, though. Uh, it's prophecy number two. And this one is uh, especially relevant given our current events today. Uh, it's Revelation 6.6. 6. And so this is when um, John gets, you know, he's taken up and he's seen things in the heavenly realm that are occurring in the end times. And he says, I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. And again, this is worded kind of strangely here, but um, John's discussing certain plagues that are occurring in the end times. And a denarius was the equivalent to a day's work of wages. So Revelation 6, 6 here is actually predicting rapid inflation we have hyperinflation here because a whole day of work you know you work for eight hours and all that will get you is a quart of wheat so this is predicting in the end times um, if there's going to be great economic instability and before i go any further i just want to say i'm not one of those people who thinks like oh man we are definitely a hundred percent in the end times right now i don't know when the end will be uh, it could be in 10 years it could be in hundreds of years i don't know um but i just think this is a this is kind of a cool prophecy um god's telling us here hey when the end is coming there is going to be very crazy economic uncertainty instability and hyperinflation uh, the third prophecy we have is Matthew 24, verses 21 to 22. It says, uh, Jesus is saying this. He says, There will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And this, again, is kind of a subtle prophecy that we take for granted. But Jesus is saying here in the end times, if, if the tribulation was just, just ran its whole course, he's saying no flesh would be saved. So all of mankind would be totally wiped out. Now, mind you, he was saying this 2,000 years ago. So it's kind of hard to imagine 2,000 years ago of mankind totally wiping itself out with bows and arrows and swords. 
But when we read this now, I mean, there's no question that mankind can wipe itself out with nuclear weapons and all the developed warfare uh, technology we have today. And so I think, again, this attests to the Bible's uh, supernatural inspiration um, because thousands of years ago, the average person reading this was probably stumped and thinking, huh, I don't understand how mankind is going to wipe itself out where no flesh would be saved. But today we can easily see how that could happen. Prophecy number four, 2 Thessalonians 2.3 says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And uh, that day is referring to uh, the returning of Christ. And so we have a prediction here that there is going to be a great falling away or a great apostasy. And there's other passages that mention uh, this, but basically, uh, toward the end times, there are going to be many false prophets. And Jesus also said this in Matthew 24, uh, which is the last prophecy I read from. That's in a little section known as the Olivet Discourse, where the disciples ask Jesus, what are the signs of the end of the world? And he goes on and tells them. But yeah, there's, there's multiple passages which say, in the end times, there are going to be false prophets leading people astray. Um, many people are just going to want their ears tickled instead of seeking truth. They're going to want to hear what makes them feel good. And that looks pretty similar to America today, if I'm being honest. You look at how many churches there are that do not actually preach truth. And they just you know, want to make people feel good, want to give them a little hype session for the week and then have them move on. And they don't preach strict uh, sound doctrine. And in fact, they're teaching heresy. And so um, the Bible predicts this, that in the end times, not only will there be false prophets, but also there's going to be a great falling away where people will disassociate themselves with Christianity. And that makes sense, right? Because there's other predictions that in the end times Christians are going to be especially persecuted worldwide and be executed. So for that to happen, the majority of the world is not going to be Christian. Um, so just keep that in mind. And uh, that's why it's so important to have discernment to put truth as the number one thing that you're seeking for. And that's why Jesus said, he is the truth. He said, if you seek the truth, it will set you free. Um, and that's what I try to do in my studies. I always try to have the thought of what is true at the front of my mind. And that's actually how I became a Christian in the first place. So yeah, that was prophecy number four. There's going to be great falling away, which means there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be heresy being taught. And a lot of people are going to disassociate themselves with Christianity um, and you can really see that in the younger generation too, right? In America, at least, of people who were raised in the church and then they become college age and they say, no, nope, that's not for me. Or I've deconstructed. I'm no longer a Christian. And they forsake the clear authority of the Bible. And instead, they give in to their flesh and follow their own will instead of seeking God's will. The fifth prophecy can be found in the Olivet Discourse again. Uh, it's Matthew 24, verse 15. And it says, 
therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And so there's a couple interesting things with this prophecy by Jesus here concerning the end times. For one, he mentions this thing called the abomination of desolation. Uh, you can find that in the book of Daniel, uh, especially at the end of Daniel chapter 9, which, um, by the way, that passage, the end of Daniel 9, includes the most phenomenal messianic prophecy, I think, in the whole Old Testament. I'd recommend you research that. Or you can listen to my second episode titled The Bible's Most Extraordinary Passage for more information on that. But this abomination of desolation, it's basically some major heresy that is going to take place in the Holy of Holies, which was a part of the Jewish temple that only the high priest had access to, and only once a year on Yom Kippur, this Jewish holiday, did the priest have access to this place. And so Jesus says here, when you see this abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, stand in the holy place. And what's really cool is right after he says that, uh, the Bible has a pair of parentheses. And in those parentheses, it says, whoever reads, let him understand. And so I want you to think about this. If this abomination of desolation is going to happen in the Holy of Holies, which only the high priest could access once a year, how are you going to see this? And I think this is a technology statement because if you think about it, the Jewish temple, it was destroyed in AD 70, which Jesus also predicted. The Jews were scattered abroad. And then in World War II, because of that, they were relocated to Israel. And they've been wanting for years now to rebuild their temple. And so this is a prerequisite for the end times. The temple needs to be rebuilt. And we are in a unique time because that's actually a possibility now because the Jews are back in Israel. The thing I want to get at though is, imagine this. Imagine the Jews finally rebuild their temple. What a huge news story that would be, right? 2,000 years of no temple, and then the Jews reconstruct it. Obviously, all the news stations around the world are going to be there to witness this event. And I could totally see them, you know, rebuilding the temple. And then as some sort of opening ceremony, they do some sort of ritual in the Holy of Holies, which only the high priest should have access to, but these days, you know, you'd have every news station there recording this. And so I think that is so cool that here Jesus says, hey, when you see this abomination of desolation happen in the Holy of Holies, you need to get out of Judea. And the Bible, it clearly says, hey, whoever reads, let him understand. So we need to understand that the average pers person really wouldn't have access to the Holy of Holies. But in today's world, now we really can understand how everyone could see this event. Um, so I think, A, that shows that the Jews 
are going to rebuild the temple. So the temple has to be standing before the end times. And then this abomination of desolation needs to take place. Um, I just I like that one especially for the technology statement of, you know, when Jesus was talking to his disciples here, they were probably thinking, wait, how are we going to see what goes on in the Holy of Holies if only the high priest can see it? But nowadays with technology and video cameras and the like, we can really understand how that could happen. All right, uh, prophecy number six. It's kind of a longer one. It's 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 7. It says, Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep in the households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And now there's a lot to unpack in this passage, but I'm just going to take a quick look at it um, and point out that it's interesting that that last part, these, these men will be always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that just makes me think of today and relating that back to the first prophecy we looked at in Daniel about knowledge will be increased. And today, I mean, we have so much emphasis on education and school and going to universities. And I mean, there's this whole social hierarchy now based off of what letters are after your name. What credentials do you have? Are you a PhD? Do you have a master's? And it's, I mean, not even the, the left denies this, that universities these days are basically just a, a cesspool of concentrated atheist and leftist dogma that students get indoctrinated with. And then they go out into the world and they spout the same stuff that they were taught in these universities. They don't really learn practical information. But what's even worse is they are taught things that are contrary to the word of God. They're taught that evolution's true and you're just a randomly evolved bag of pond scum. They're taught that, oh, the Bible's full of errors. It's not historically accurate. They're taught, oh, maybe Jesus didn't even exist. You know, they're taught to respect all religions and all religions have are true in their own way. They're taught this relativism, postmodern nonsense really but they know so many things right and we have some really smart people today that miss the boat on the most basic and most important truth that the human heart can embrace and that is that god exists and he loves you and he died for you on the cross as the man jesus christ um and what the other side of this coin is this passage talks about, you know, not only will these people, they'll be ever learning, but never able to come to the truth of the gospel. But look at all these um, descriptors it gives of them. It says lovers of money, 
boasters, proud, blasphemers. I mean, you read this and you can't help but think of the West, at least for me, at least this generation. You know, in previous generations, it was a much different time. But um, now, and going down the road especially, I really wonder what the West is going to look like in the coming decades because, I mean, we see with social media, um, especially just the the pride, right, and the boasting, and oh, everyone look at me. It's talking about unforgiving, whereas you know this secular religion of the state, basically, they they do have a lot of um, unforgiveness if you do not side with them on everything, right? Oh, you don't think we should force vaccines on people? Well, oh, you're stupid and. I don't, you know, there's no redemption for you, they'll say. Or, um, you know, these days people throw the word racist around like nothing. And that's, um, you know, one major unforgivable sin of the left is if you just get called racist, even though, you know, 90% of the time when they bring that up, the person hasn't done anything that deserves that title. But they'll just, they'll label you that and boom, that's their unforgivable sin. And so it's, it's just interesting to see that in the end times, as Jesus also says this in Matthew 24, which I'd recommend you read that whole chapter, he says that iniquity will abound because the love of many will wax cold. And that ties in with this passage here, 2 Timothy 3, because it's just listing these characteristics of people in the end times, and it's just showing they're all going to be selfish um, for the most part. And they're going to have a lot of knowledge, but they are not able to come to the truth. Yeah, that was prophecy number six. And prophecy number seven, uh, this is Mark 13, verse 10, which a quick side note, um, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are termed the synoptic Gospels because there's a lot in common with those three. And if you just read through these, you can see there's a lot of overlying passages in these. And John's kind of an outlier. It focuses a lot on the divinity divinity of Christ and other things. But um, this, this discourse, it's called the Olivet Discourse. It's in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. And so how I've been reading some prophecies from Matthew 24 about this, um, the seventh prophecy comes from that same seen but it's from mark's point of view so mark 13 10 we have jesus saying the gospel must first be preached to all the nations before the end of this age so before jesus can come back the whole world every nation must hear of the gospel of christ and again this is i think awesome proof for the divine nature of the bible because this was written two thousand years ago when Christianity was just a very, very small and soon to be radically persecuted religion. And how you think they would have known that their their religion, their belief system would spread to the entire world? Based off of man's own wisdom, I don't think there's any way they could have known that. I think this is, again, just a awesome little nugget here that God has placed in the Bible saying, hey... I inspired the Bible, and these are the words of Jesus accurately predicting the future that every nation will eventually hear of his glorious gospel. And so I want to bring that up because we have at this point 
the majority of the world, I would say, has heard of Jesus. I mean, especially in the West or these, I mean, basically any developed nation. Um, you think of, you go down the street, say, hey, have you heard of Jesus? And most people are going to say yes. Um, there's, you know, still untouched tribes in jungles and on islands and stuff. And there's, you know, certain nations like that highly regulate the information that can go in and out of them, that ban Bibles and things like that. But um, for the most part, the majority of the world has heard about Christianity. And so that, that is an interesting um, point Jesus makes here. And that's why, you know, I get how some people will say, you know, oh, you're going to go on an international mission trip. Why don't you just do missions where you're at? And I, I mean, I understand that the whole world is a missions field, but there is something to be said about taking the gospel to every nation because Jesus can't come back until every nation has heard of the gospel. And so just keep that in mind that, you know, the, the majority of the world has heard the gospel. And as we near the end of this age, um, eventually every nation will hear of the gospel of Christ and have the opportunity to receive it or not. All right, uh, prophecy number eight, again, found in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39. Jesus says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now this is a sad passage. Um, there's a few different interpretations of this, and there's I think there's more than one point we can take from it, but I think the main thing being conveyed here is that, you know, Jesus is saying before the flood they were eating and drinking, they were marrying until the flood came. So people are were so just preoccupied with their life with worldly things that they didn't care about the flood of Noah they didn't think about it and that's going to be the same thing when Jesus comes back and I mean I can already see this at least in in the west here because I have had a lot of conversations with people uh, unsaved people about Jesus and Honestly, I, I would say maybe even the majority of them. I've had people just say to my face, I don't care. And I've, I've discussed, you know, prophecy. I've discussed scientific evidence for God's existence, um, all this stuff. And I had one guy actually in uh, nursing school. I, I talked with him for a good hour or two. And at the end, he, he just said, you know what? I don't care. If I end up in hell, I'll just say, you know what? Okay, whatever. I deserve this. And of course, it's easy to say that now. You know, anyone can say that now, but once they're actually standing before God, it's going to be a, a mighty and terrible day, and um, I really fear for them. But, you know, you just look at the apathy that has soaked into our generation in the West, and it's it just blows my mind of how you can show somebody all the evidence in the world for... God's existence and the gospel of Christ. You can explain perfectly what he's done for them. But if if it doesn't start with their heart being receptive or seeking God, they're going to find a way to deny it. And one of the main ways these days is this whole 
you know, live fast, die young, you live for you movement that we have today. And it uh, kind of makes me think of this quote that's usually attributed to John Lennon. It goes something um, like, uh, he said he was in grade school and the teacher asked him, what do you want to be in life? And he said, happy. And the teacher said, oh, you don't understand the assignment or you don't understand the question. And then John Lennon supposedly responded with, you don't understand life. And, you know, that's the motto of people in the West today, right? What do you want to be? I want to be happy. So really what that means is you want to, you know, feel the most pleasure you can in life. It's all about how you feel, uh, feeding your flesh. And because of that, people put their personal happiness or pleasure above truth. And I think that has led to the apathy about the gospel, whereas you can confront someone and talk to them for 10 hours, you know, showing the folly of atheism, the, the evidence for Christianity, just the beauty of the gospel of Jesus, and they don't care. And that's because the gospel of Jesus, while it is the most beautiful truth you can embrace, you know, it brings people to tears every day, um, but there's a lot of uncomfortable things about it, like the eternity of hell, like God's judgment, like the fact that you're a guilty sinner and by your works, you deserve an eternity of fire and brimstone. And that makes a lot of people uncomfortable and it, you know, relates to the prophecy in Timothy we read about in the last times people are going to be boasters and proud and lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It connects with this passage right here about if you are so into yourself and so prideful and have elevated yourself to the God of your own universe, you don't want to hear that you're a sinner. <laughs> you don't want to hear that you are accountable to a holy, almighty God that will ultimately judge you. And so even though on the flip side of that coin of God's judgment, we see that just the, the beauty of his mercy demonstrated through Jesus Christ on the cross, people hold their pride so high that they refuse to accept that beauty of God's mercy because they don't want to admit that they're a guilty sinner or they feel too uncomfortable that uh, God would judge people. You know, they don't agree with God's um, views on certain things. And so uh, I think this, this is another, you know, interesting prophecy that we uh, can apply to today. You know, as in the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. And these days, people are living for themselves. They're focused on worldly things, and they don't think about heaven. You know, they're consumed. They distract themselves with their jobs, with their hobbies. I mean, even family can be an idol. You know, there are so many idols in the West here um, that are so subtle that they don't stand out as much as these pagan idols that were, you know, uh, used to seeing, like in the Bible, just described. But... Um, there's nothing new under the sun. And so I thought that was an interesting prophecy. Uh, all right, moving on to number nine. Again, in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, verses six to eight, Jesus says that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So in the end times, there are going to be natural disasters. There are going to be diseases. COVID. No, I'm just kidding. Or maybe I'm not. Who knows? Uh, there's going to be famines. So we're talking food shortages, people getting sick, the emergence of new diseases, um, and natural disasters. You know, what earthquakes, fires, hurricanes, all that. Um, and wars, too. There's going to be great... Um, just national unrest. And this, again, kind of reminds me of the prophecy we looked at of Revelation 6, 6, predicting that there is going to be hyperinflation and economic instability in the end times. Because, of course, when economics are uncertain, that a lot of times leads to wars and famines and you know pestilences and diseases can cause economic uncertainty. I mean, look at, of course, it was due to the reaction of the government, but look at the ridiculousness that we're in now, you know, due largely to how the government reacted because of COVID. Um, so again, just keep your eyes out because here the Bible plainly says that in the end times, there is going to be great unrest. There's going, uh, there's going to be a lot of natural disasters, sicknesses, famines, all of that bad stuff. And now for the last prophecy, the 10th prophecy I want to look at. Uh, I really just want to look at this. It's an interesting correlation between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we have in Joel 2 verse 10, which is in the Old Testament, it's talking about the, the day of the Lord, the terrible day of the Lord. It says, The heaven shall tremble, the sun and moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And then in that same chapter, Joel 2, but verse 31 so 21 verses later, Joel writes, The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And now we have Jesus in the Olivet Discourse. This is in Mark's version. So Mark 13, verse 24 to 25. This is hundreds of years after Joel. Jesus acknowledges that right before he comes back, he says, But in those days... After that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And now, last passage here, this is in Revelation. So this is was written by John decades after the crucifixion of Christ. Revelation 6, verses 12 to 14, John says, I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. So this is you know, it's like game over here. And what I want to point out is just the, the, the awesome continuity you have throughout the whole Bible. Of course, written by different men over a couple thousand years, but you have this same theme and you've seen the Old Testament, it predicted, hey, 
before this terrible day of the Lord, we have the sun being dark, the moon being red as blood, and the stars falling from heaven. And we have that repeated by Jesus in the Gospels, and we have that same vision as what John saw and wrote down in Revelation. Um, and it kind of reminds me, so there's, there's this uh, little video clip I watched one time of Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, you know, is the one of the modern day uh, priests of the atheist uh, quote scientist movement. Um, those who think they're following science but are actually following secularism, and he says something like, um, he's, he's mocking the Bible and said, "Oh, you know how it says the stars will fall from heaven? Well, you clearly don't even know what stars are if you think they're going to fall from heaven, you know, because it's there's a combination of gases and all these things and they can't actually fall but if you look at revelation 6 it says heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places and i want to i want you to think of um you've probably heard this before how some it's usually uh kind of from an atheist perspective but how some uh, physicists and stuff have theorize that oh maybe we're living in a video game you know have you heard that like oh we're living in a virtual reality that was you know created by someone or something else and it's it's funny because they're actually right because we are living in a virtual reality but not the type they think we're not living in a video game we're living in god's universe and see technically we are our universe is a virtual reality because there is a reality greater than our universe. There is God's reality. There is a spiritual realm. And while we you know, experience length, width, height, and time in one direction, God exists in more dimensions than that. Um, and I, I didn't look up the research or anything, but I know some physicists have agree that there's actually like 11 dimensions or something like that and um you know so the point i'm making here is we're in a virtual reality that god has complete control over and so somehow he's going to make the stars fall from heaven <laughs> somehow he's going to have the heavens depart as a scroll whatever that means so <laughs> space itself will depart as a scroll and so I, the main thing about this prophecy is I just wanted to you know, show how cool it was of how interconnected and how consistent the Bible is which, with its description of the end times and of the terrible day of the Lord when the judgment of God will be unleashed on this world. But also you know, just shows that the power of God and how you know, even though we can't fathom stars falling from heaven or things like that, you know, this is a virtual reality and God's in control of it and he can do whatever he wants. Um, anyway, so those are just 10 end time prophecies that um, through my studies, I just kind of stood out to me. Um, there's more that I didn't cover here. I just kind of wanted to put 10 out to hopefully make you think. Um, eschatology is always fun. Um, I'm planning to do a podcast soon, hopefully, about um, you know, the whole pre versus post trib rapture debate and all that. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed these prophecies. Uh, I encourage you to do some more research into these passages yourself. And thanks for listening. Once again, my name is Nathan, 
and this is the Millennial Apologist Podcast. Bye.